At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. All right, welcome back to the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. And today, I'll continue Broncos week. we got a couple things for you. Um, talking about Broncos ownership after that came down. And I also want to get you an interview with Cody Rourke, who uh, is just does a remarkable job as a reporter. I'm a big fan of his. Got a chance to catch up with him. So, again, hold him with VEASAN. Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. We are now, uh, what, a week away from Broncos training camp getting underway. So we'll start with this. Uh, Earlier in the month, as I am on vacation right now, my sister's wedding, earlier in the month, I got a chance to talk about the Broncos' new ownership. Now, since I did that on June 9th, uh, we have had Condoleezza Rice added to the ownership group as well. But here's some of my thoughts on Walton buying the Broncos. But here's some things I'd like to see from the Broncos' new ownership group. Of course, Rob Walton and the Penners and all of them. Number one, I want to see him make cash king. Cash, cash, cash. They are the richest ownership group in the National Football League. So what does that allow you to do? That allows you to pay your superstars an exorbitant amount of money up front so you can stay below the salary cap, okay? Kind of like what the Rams did with Matthew Stafford, and they just paid Aaron Donald. You've got so much money and capital that you can pay these guys signing bonuses, and it doesn't hurt your cap number as much. And there's a lot of teams out there that can't do it. Shad Khan and Jacksonville, they just don't have the ownership or the money or the backing behind it to do that. I mean, 
do they have the money? Yes. Do they want to spend the money? No, because it's going to hurt their bottom line a lot more. Uh, but most in the NFL can't afford to do that. They still profit. You know, they're still going to profit. But if they were to give millions and millions up front, wouldn't be as much. Or some of them really would go in the red. No question. I think the Packers are kind of that way too. Um, there's quite a few teams around in the NFL that really can't afford to do that. Believe it or not, we got these billionaires owning the teams. They can't afford to do that to hit their bottom line. But when you're the richest owner, when you have the richest owner, you can retain your players by doing what the Rams did. Give Matt Stafford. They gave Matt Stafford a ton of signing bonus money. So his salary doesn't count as much against the cap. And you can bring in more higher priced players. Now, they also it, it did not value draft picks very much, right? You go out, you get yourself... Stafford and Jalen Ramsey, but guess what? The Broncos did the same thing for Russell Wilson, giving up a lot of draft capital there. So I think that's interesting. I think the other thing it lets you do is pay executives more than other, any other team to lure the best talent to, to Denver. And we saw the Nuggets did not do that with Josh Kroenke. Now, Stan owns the Rams. I get it. And there's a ton of money there with the Nuggets too. And that was an organizational philosophy, but I would hope that this ownership group would do whatever it takes to get the best front office talent in here because of the money that they have. So that was number two. Number three, I don't think the Broncos need a new stadium. This is just my opinion, though. There's a lot of people that think they do need a new stadium. I'm not there. You got nine years left on the lease. But if there is a new stadium and I don't know if this happens, but I think the Waltons should pay for it themselves. You're worth between 58 and 60-something billion dollars. And again, billionaires don't look at it like this. We're worth so much money, we're going to pay our own money out of pocket. I think the way that Walton pays for a new stadium is not just a new stadium. They basically build a little mini city around there so that they can make billions and billions and billions of more money. Uh, you don't typically have organizations that are just paying for it themselves. Usually we have to foot the bill. Do you really want to foot the bill for a new stadium? I don't think most of you want to, and I don't blame you, especially in the current economic climate. But again, this is something that if you are going to build a new stadium, I do not want taxpayers spending a dime. But just know there's nine more years remaining on the Empower Field lease. So it's not like... It has to happen anytime soon. And also, don't put the stadium by DIA or north of the city like in Thornton. That's just inconvenient for me. You know? It's, it's inconvenient for me. That's why I don't want it up there. And it's in, honestly, it's inconvenient for just about everybody. I mean, imagine if you're coming from Littleton, you got to go all the way up to DIA. That over an hour drive is basically what it turns into. Forget about it. Keep it downtown. Pay for it yourself. Give us a roof. Get the Super Bowl here. That'll be awesome. And that would be number four. Set the standard. Set the standard with a roof on top and set the standard for the organization. Super Bowl or bust. I kind of feel like it used to be that way. And now we look at where this organization has been for the last six years. And it was more, let's just get back to the playoffs. And I think there's a lot of that standard right now. Oh, just get back to the playoffs in year one. I think Walton comes in here day one. It is Super Bowl or bust. Anything less than that is a disappointment. 
I don't want to say it's a failure, but it's a disappointment. And I hope that he looks at it that way. I hope that he looks at it that way. And I hope that this organization and this fan base look at it that way. Hold the team to a higher standard. All right, number five. Leave the decision-making to the decision-makers, right? Now, I don't think you've ever, you have, I mean, Pat Boland didn't do this. You haven't had an owner who just gets involved in on-field decision-making and draft picks. Think about the owner you want being the opposite of Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones. These guys that meddle in the roster. And Jerry Jones tried to do that in the beginning. And he had Jimmy Johnson there to kind of balance him out in Dallas. And what happened? Uh, They won Super Bowls. And then Jerry won the power struggle. And they haven't won anything since. And Jerry's the general manager there. Dan Snyder, don't get me started. But, I mean, you you want to go back to something 10 years ago, 2012? Mike Shanahan is the head coach and basically the personnel decision maker. And uh, he wanted Kirk Cousins. And Dan Snyder said, no, you're using the number three pick on Robert Griffin III. Robert Griffin III turned out to be a huge bust. And Shanahan said, forget you. I'm going after Kirk Cousins. They ended up getting Kirk Cousins, but that's just more of an owner trying to make the on-field decisions. And we definitely do not want to see that. They do not want to see any of that from the Waltons, the Penners, or anybody else. Okay? Uh, Number six, bring back the old snot rocket uniforms and the helmets from the 80s. They won Super Bowls with the current iteration of the helmet and the uniforms, but one of the sexiest, most beautiful helmet decals out there is the Snot Rocket Bronco. Please bring it back. Last but not least, number seven. You got to make sure Peyton Manning is a big part of the organization. You have to. You've got to make sure whether he's an owner or has something in the front office. And maybe it doesn't happen day one. Maybe he just wants to do the Manning cast. But A, he still has to be at least around before he makes the decision to be a part of the organization long term. Right? And and second of all, just, yeah, make him the face of the organization that isn't Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, the face of the organization. But having Peyton Manning there in the background, not a bad decision. Uh, you also, I, I want him to keep Elway around, a- away from decision-making, okay? Keep Elway away from decision-making. Although he had a big part in the Russell Wilson trade. They said he was an advisor in there. Keep him away from that. He is the greatest Bronco in the history of the world. So keep him around. Just can't make decisions. So that's my seven, my seven requests from ownership to get this thing going. Uh, speaking of John Elway, though, I want to read this off. So Pat Bolin, years and years ago, 1998, okay, he offered John Elway a stake in the franchise. The deal was for 20% of the reigning world champions for $36 million. So Elway probably had the $36 million at the time. Bolin said he'd buy back. The share for $5 million plus 8% interest up to a year for five years later, whatever. I don't even understand all that stuff. I just have money and I put it in Apple and I hope that it keeps going up. Uh, Elway had 10 months to decide whether or not he wanted to take the deal. Well, he won a Super Bowl the next year. He retired. And right after that year, he declined the deal. He invested elsewhere. 
and he's got car dealerships and everything else. And I don't know how much that made him, but I doubt that would have made him $930 million. So if he had that much of a stake in the Broncos and the organization just sold it, the stake he would have had for $36 million would be $930 million today. He allegedly has $150 million. So the dude's not poor, but I do wonder, I do wonder if he looks at that and goes, gosh, I could have taken that. I should have taken that. And he allegedly didn't take the deal because he didn't think that he'd ever be an executive. Wild stuff. Weird, wild stuff. Thanks a lot to myself uh, for breaking that down. Also, uh, time now for an interview with Cody Rourke. Cody is just terrific at what he does. Went around with some of the big storylines on this team. Cody with um, Mile High Sports. And he joined me here on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. It's been a fun offseason for the Broncos. Usually we talk about how much they're going to suck next year over the last couple of years. Well, this year, it's a completely different dynamic. How is it around the team? I know you're around these guys. Yeah, I mean, the excitement right now in Dove Valley is very, very high. And I think, you know, maybe a, maybe a new guy by the name of Russell Wilson might have a lot to do with that. It also helps that there is a coaching staff, obviously a brand-new head coach led by Nathaniel Hackett, who has a bunch of energy to him. The way that he teaches players, the way that he coaches guys, it's really bought in, I think, to changing a little bit of the culture inside the locker room. So, you know, while players are excited, coaches are excited, Broncos fans are equally as excited for the first time in many, many years. Okay, so let's talk about Wilson then. I know I know it's been nonstop Russell Wilson, but he's there. You know, you're getting a chance to see him now. Uh, first of all, any insight on the connections that he's had when he's gone out and had a chance to throw to his receivers? Anything that stands out with Sutton? or Judy, or Tim Patrick? Who does he have the best connection with right now? <laughs> you know, it's really hard to say who he has the best connection with, but mm -hmm. the fact is he's got a pretty good connection with all of these guys. And it was, uh, you know, it all started shortly after it was announced that he was traded to the Denver Broncos. Even before the move was official in the new league year, uh, Russell Wilson flew all the Broncos receivers, some offensive linemen, some other backup quarterbacks up to San Diego at his compound to train, and he got to work with all of them. Uh, you know, I will say this. I think that... There could be a multitude of different guys on a week-to-week -week basis that could be the top receiver based on with the Broncos personnel, who they have, if they all stay healthy. Uh, but, you know, I think he likes all of them. And I think that maybe if I could guess maybe a little bit of an estimation as to maybe who we might see him throw to a lot this upcoming season, it could be Jerry Judy, depending on where the Broncos plan to put him, whether it's inside the slot, whether it's on the outside. Uh, those guys do have a connection with one another. Uh, but, you know, same connection could be said with Tim Patrick or Corlin Sun. I think a lot will be depending upon how defenses play the Broncos wide receiving unit on a week-to-week -week basis. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough betting which wide receiver <laughs> is going to lead the yeah. team in receptions and yards on a week-to-week -week basis, right? So I try and handicap it right now. I'm still really big on Jerry Judy, but mm -hmm. you got the groin injury. You got the debacle where it probably got blown out of proportion with Judy um, and his partner. But there's there's been a lot working against Judy here. What's going to make this season different for him? 
Well, you know, I think for, for Judy, coming into his rookie season, we saw the things that he could do. We saw the flashes as to why the Broncos drafted him with their first-round pick back in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, and then he just went through the whole variety of different changes. Obviously, the COVID year there, I think his rookie season, the biggest issue for Judy was just dealing with drops. And they weren't necessarily like, oh, he just can't catch the ball. It was more so he was looking to get upfield and making a play before the ball hit his hands. We call those concentration drops. Uh, and last year, he only had one total drop. Now, Last year in 2021, the issue with Jerry Judy was he was having a really great start to the season. Week one against the New York Giants, he had six catches for 72 yards through the third quarter, and then he gets rolled up on in a kind of a freakish way, and we all feared the worst based on looking at the replay. We thought it could have been a broken leg, a broken ankle, something along those lines. Luckily, it was just a high ankle sprain, and he returned seven weeks later against the Washington Commanders, then kind of had a little bit of a bigger breakout against the Dallas Cowboys the following week, the week after the Broncos traded away Von Miller. And then after that, offensive coordinator Pat Shermer didn't utilize him, utilize him as a jet sweep guy, as a motion guy, and would never give him the ball, wouldn't isolate him in running routes. And then they only finally decided to get him involved in route running in the final week of the regular season against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was just uh, the Broncos coaching staff last year under Pat Shermer really misutilized the talent that they had. And not sure if it had anything to do with who was under center at the quarterback position. But uh, for Jerry Judy, I think that he fell victim, I think, to the perception of Broncos fans thinking he didn't do anything last year. He couldn't do anything because he wasn't utilized in a way where he could have had an impact on the team. No, that's the big thing here. It was... Completely inept play calling under Shermer. And and everybody knew it, I guess, except for Shermer. Maybe by the time <laughs> he was out of here, he knew that it was bad. How did they utilize Cortland Sutton better? Or was last year a bit on him trying to come back from the injury? And, and I'm going to be honest with you. It looked to me late in the season, there was a couple of times where he didn't give his 100%. The, well, you the know, effort wasn't there. I, I think for court, I think a good portion of last season was kind of 50-50, right? I think also utilization, but I also think coming off the ACL. But, you know, a week two against the Jacksonville Jaguars, he had over 10 receptions for over 100-plus yards in a big-time game against the Jaguars. But the Broncos, and unfortunately, Teddy Bridgewater just wasn't a consistent enough deep ball thrower where he could find those guys consistently. And so Cortland, for him coming off of an ACL, one area he really focused on working on last season, especially while coming back. We all know he can do the deep ball but for him it was running the short to the intermediate routes there uh you know there were times that the broncos offense as a whole players were frustrated because they would actually go to pat Shermer and they would say hey, coach this isn't working can we try this and then they were told i'm the coach you're the player you do what i say i'm going to yeah. keep coaching so you know i think that maybe for like there were times that maybe some players seemed checked out a little bit i mean i felt like it would have been hard as a former player myself. It would have been very hard to want to be checked in when the feedback that you provide as somebody who's out there going against things and you know what's working, you know what's not working, that feedback isn't valued. Uh, Cortland is fully healthy right now, coming off of you know a season where he made it through coming back from the ACL, which you know there's a mental hurdle that comes with that. We've seen that with Jamal Murray, and we're waiting to see Jamal Murray return for the Denver Nuggets uh, from his ACL injury. But – for Cortland this year, I think that it's, they're going to unleash him. I think that he's going to be the deep ball threat, the main guy on the outside. And I also think they're going to find ways to utilize him attacking the deep middle part of the field alongside Tim Patrick. I think that these guys are going to return back to form. And this is why George Payton gave both he and Tim Patrick a contract extension is because he knew coming into it, they were going to get a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield and utilize them as to what they do best. Man, um, that's that's good news here. Now, I'm listening to a lot. I, I've watched all the press conferences, and Nathaniel Hackett, to me, he's just offense, man. 
<laughs> it's almost like there's a competition between him and the defensive side. Is that accurate? Well, I mean, I'd say a little bit, right? You know, the yeah. thing about head coaches, and, and this is always something I always try to encourage fans to dive deeper into. Every single head coach has experience on every side of the ball. Like for Nathaniel Hackett, he's had experience coaching special teams. He's had experience in his coaching career working on the defensive side of the ball, but his passion is really on the offensive side. So for him, I, I kind of like that he's focused on the offense because when we look at this team, Holden, the Broncos offense since Peyton Manning, even during Peyton Manning's year, the offense wasn't that great. Like they had a good running game, but the offense was not what we had all expected it to be. Now you bring in a guy who can maybe amplify that with Hackett and also in combining what he knows in his offense with Russell Wilson and what Russ likes best. The offense could be really, really good this upcoming season. But he also brought in guys on the defensive coaching staff that he trusts. And I think that's one of the most important things, one of the most important signs, too, is you bring in as a coach, you understand how to delegate. And I think that's exactly what Nathaniel Hackett has done a really good job of so far, delegating all the defensive stuff to Dom Capers and Ejiro Evro, who's the new defensive coordinator this season, and obviously a brand-new coaching staff minus Christian Parker, who stayed on from the staff from last year. There's just a lot of excitement, but this is a coaching staff that when I've talked to certain players, they said, hey, this is a coaching staff that they overteach, which is a good thing because they also value your feedback. So these players now feel like they have a voice. Like if something isn't working for them or if they feel like, you know, they want to approach the coach and say, hey, what can we do differently? They're open to listening to it, which I think is a really good thing. The, you know, Broncos' new coaching staff is embracing that, which has bought a lot of good faith inside that locker room. Even when a team is horrible, you're going to get that small segment of the fan base that doesn't matter. They're going to be optimistic. They're going to think everything's Absolutely. Great. But then you look at the other side of things, there's a lot of realistic fans. They said, boy, this, is, this organization's in bad shape. So the pulse of the fan, I know you have that too. Like when was the last time this city was this excited about a Broncos season? Ah, Peyton Manning days. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. It has to be the Peyton Manning days. You know, I think for for us, the only time I can really think that there was like some level of excitement was going into the 2018 season, right? Case Keenum was the quarterback, the Broncos' oh, yeah. big-time offseason acquisition. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Philip Lindsay, the Colorado kid, was making plays at training camp, and everyone's like, hey, the Colorado kid's making plays. You should have been drafted. But, you know, he ends up being the starter for the Broncos anyways that season. The excitement was pretty high then. Unfortunately, it didn't really match that there. But I'd say, like, right now is probably an all-time high. And I think for, like, Colorado sports in general, it's a great thing. Like, with the Avs, you know, what they were able to do and obviously get to the Stanley Cup final with the Denver Nuggets trying to make the run that they had and obviously – Calvin Booth now taking over as the main guy since Tim Connolly's departure. The Nuggets are going all in. So it's like between three of the major sports in, in Denver, you know, hopefully the Rockies can find a way to get back at some point. It's Set a down. good time for Colorado sports fans right now. This is a very, very exciting time. Settle down on the Rockies, okay? Okay. Maybe. <laughs> maybe in another maybe maybe in our lifetime. Hopefully. We'll get back to the uh, yeah, hopefully they'll get back to the World Series. Hey, this is a betting show. So I did place a futures bet. And that was Patrick Sertan to win Defensive Player of the Year. It's a long shot. I mean, it's 100 to 1. So why not sprinkle a little bit here? Let's talk about the player. Why would this not at least be in the realm of possibility, given my thoughts? I think this kid could be turned into the best cornerback in the NFL this year. I really do. And I think you also have to be on a good defense. This has the potential to be a great defense. Talk to me about Patrick Sertan, what you expect out of him in year number two. Because, again, it's a bit of a long shot, but I love this kid. 
Hey, you know what? Like I said, if it's 100 to 1 odds, throw, you know, 10, 20 bucks on it, mm -hmm. and you never know what could happen with it. it. It's a great futures bet to kind of put out there because I do think that while we have seen defensive backs, and I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Jalen Ramsey, not Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore was the last cornerback to win the yes. defensive player of the year award back when he was playing for the New England Patriots. Patrick Sertan, I think if one thing that he can do is get takeaways and minimize, you know, big plays happening, which, you know, he didn't really give up many big plays at all last season. Anyways, he made a lot of big plays. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were looking at Trayvon Diggs last year and saying, okay, well, he had 11 interceptions. How come he didn't win defensive player of the year? Well, the reality of the situation is he gave up over a thousand yards receiving to you know through the air and gave up a lot of touchdowns to opposing wide receivers uh, if he can have sort of like the type of season we saw Champ Bailey have back in 2006 that very very epic season I, I think that there is a possibility I think a lot of it's going to be predicated on are the Broncos winning games right because I don't think they're going to give defensive player of the year award to some to a team that doesn't have as many wins or aren't even in the play on playoff conversation uh, but for him he's such a technical player and, and you know me as a former defensive back I, I love studying his game I mean he is his technical aspect while he's playing press coverage where he's playing off the ball he's so smart so far ahead of his time as a second-year player, he continues to evolve. And if he can stay healthy, which I think that for the Broncos, I think there's a really good chance for the way that he plays the game, how safe he plays it, and just how smart. He's going to be playing a lot of games. He's going to be an impact player. He could arguably be the best player on the Broncos' defense this upcoming season. Uh, I, I think that there, there's a good chance, possibly. And, and look, I, I wish the NFL would expand their awards to, you know, awarding. Obviously, there's the Defense Player of the Year. But why not release a DB of the Year? Why not release yeah. a Linebacker of the Year? I mean, just add more parity to it because I think that there's a lot of players out there that deserve a lot of consideration that don't necessarily get it. But Patrick Sertan, last year as a rookie, didn't get enough national recognition. Now this offseason has been completely different, which has been great, but it's like, how come all of a sudden now he gets the recognition a year after the fact when he put in tremendous work last season? And, uh, you know, like I said, for him to cover number one receivers like he did Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, hold Jamar Chase to one catch for three yards, pretty dang special in my opinion. Yeah, I got some great numbers on that because it wasn't just him. It was um, it, you just look at him matching up against some of the elite receivers. He did it. Tyreek Hill, you mentioned. But you can go down the list. Jamar Chase, he shut dudes down. So let me ask you about one other guy in the defense then. He's got to stay healthy, but Bradley Chubb. <laughs> Where's the ceiling here with Chubb if he's actually on the field for 17 games? Well, you know, if he's on the field for 17 games and he can stay healthy, I think he'll be an impact player. And and one thing I've been trying to tell Broncos fans, I understand, like, from Bradley Chubb coming in his rookie season, I think so many people have forgotten about how he was his rookie season. 12 sacks, he almost broke the rookie sack record. And then all of a sudden the next year, you know, a couple of games in the season, four games into it, tears his ACL. That's a big bummer. Comes back the next year, gets off to a little bit of a slow start because, as we mentioned, coming off of an ACL, he makes it to the Pro Bowl and becomes one of the Broncos' best defensive players in 20, uh, 2020. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, yes, he has the ankle injury at the end of the 2020 season impacts him he has to have a bone spurt removed from him during training camp so that holds him out he comes back week two against the Jaguars in 2021 and re-aggravates it because he just simply wasn't ready but he was trying to give it a go that held him out obviously a little bit longer and I think that was the frustration we always talk about the best ability is availability 
Unfortunately, he's dealt with injuries beyond his control, but when he is on the field, he's an impact player, and we saw in these final four games for the Broncos in 2021, he was getting after quarterbacks. He maybe didn't show up in the stat sheet necessarily, but I think you have to look at how often he was disruptive, and if he can stay on the field for 17 games, I think all the disruptiveness that we've seen from him can translate into the statistical production that I think a lot of Broncos fans are looking for. But it's a big year for him. This is a contract year for Bradley Chubb, and he's focused on making all the plays that he can. Yep, and the last thing, the last position I want to bring up before we get to the ownership would be running back. I, it's it's pretty clear cut, right? It's Javante one, Melvin Gordon two. If something were to happen to Melvin Gordon, though, would that mean that Javante his touches are going to go way up, or they just move down the depth chart and fill it in that way? Because I'm trying to find out a ceiling here for Javante if everything falls into place for him. Well, Nathaniel Hackett believes in a by-committee approach. Javante mm-hmm. is going to be the premier back for the Broncos this season. I mean, that was their priority all along. And, you know, Melvin Gordon's market that he thought he was going to have in free agency just simply wasn't there. But I think both these guys together are very good. They complement each other really well. They offer different skill sets that the Broncos can utilize offensively. Now, I would say, like, let's say something does happen to Melvin Gordon. Let's say he gets banged up. They won't add – I don't think they'll add more reps to Javante's workload. They really want to keep him fresh during a 17-game regular season schedule, but I think that they'd look to offset it and, and balance it between the guys like Demaria Crockett or Mike Boone. I know there's going to be training camp competition between those guys for that running back three spot here in Denver, uh, and it could be Mike Boone, who's probably the favorite, but don't sleep on Demaria Crockett. He's been a guy that stepped up for them in the preseason and also last year at times when they needed him to, so they're just going to spread that out, and, and you know what? I, I wouldn't even be shocked that going into the regular season, if we do see the Broncos utilize three running backs throughout the season regularly on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, let's go to ownership here. What changed with the addition of Rob Walton and the Penners? What's changed now? Well, you know, now the Broncos have a voice at the table. You know, something that's been missing since Pat Bullen unfortunately passed away due to his battle with Alzheimer's. The Broncos' presence of ownership has been missing. And a great example of that was when the Broncos had the COVID outbreak in the quarterback room. And granted, the quarterbacks weren't following the necessary protocol to do so. The NFL made an example out of them. Whereas if you have an owner, you have an owner who's going to be very firm. You have an owner who's going to fight back. Now, while John Elway and Joe Ellis tried their hardest to, to fight back against Roger Goodell and the NFL and what they decided to rule on, they made an example out of them. And unfortunately, those guys weren't the voice of ownership. And I think Garrett Bowles touched on it in a recent media press conference is that, you know, they, those guys knew that there was an expiration date coming on their presence in the ownership facet there. Now the Broncos have a guy who has a voice at the table, but also you can make the argument the most powerful voice at the table when you talk about he is by a wide, wide, wide margin, worse than the Broncos lost to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl margin in terms of ownership. He is the wealthiest out of everybody. But how does that dynamic work when you're an outsider coming in now to what we necessarily call a good old boys club at the NFL ownership level? How do you, with the most money, have an ex, you know, the voice at the table? Are they going to try to take advantage of that? Are they going to try to sway you? And I think that's where maybe the Broncos bringing on Peyton Manning in a kind of an ownership type of role as an advisor, whatever it may be, that has some equity stake. It brings that football side to it. I think it offers a lot of uh, validity there. But now... The Broncos have everything in place, whether they need to make any renovations to the stadium, whether they want to go out and they get new jerseys, whether it helps with contract extensions. We could see that have an added benefit with Rob Walton and Greg Penner's group now taking over the team. Uh, a lot of exciting things in store. I think a lot of Broncos fans are still kind of skeptical right now. They're trying to figure out, like, you know, what is – 
what are Rob Walton's intentions with the team? I think that is the biggest question that many fans have right now, and we await to see what they will be. I, I just wonder what the intentions, how they could be bad at this point. Guy spends a ton of money. I did a bunch of research uh, talking to very, very rich people, <laughs> and they kind of went through it and said, he's kind of the, the humble leader. He's the guy that's going to listen to the fans. He's the guy that's going to listen to people around him when he's making all his decisions. I'm very bullish on him. I'm buying into this richest owner in the NFL. But the one thing that has really just kind of separated and made a life of its own would be the stadium issue, right? Yeah. They still got Empower Field for nine years. I mean, should we really expect a new stadium? I, I suppose if he can find the land and build a little mini city around it, he can make more money that way if, if that's what the, the bottom line is. Personally, I, I, if you're going to have a new stadium, don't put it in Thornton or uh, DIA because I'm south of the city. Yeah. So just personally, you know, that'd be bad for me. What's your take? What do you think happens with a new stadium? Do we have one here in the next five, ten years? Uh, I think there's a possibility of that. I mean, as you mentioned, like how, how can Rob Walton maybe utilize his financial backing to build a stadium in a place? I, I still think that it being where it's at is in the heart of downtown Denver. I think that is one of the most important things. It, it brings everybody from everywhere to one centralized location. Yeah, a lot of Broncos fans have been telling me, you know, hey, put it next to DA. I don't know why anybody would want to do that, in my opinion. I <laughs> That's just my firm opinion. Keep it in Denver. Keep it near where all the amenities are. But also, like you mentioned, if you can build, like help rebuild a little bit of downtown Denver, especially parts around the stadium, Denver could find a, a way to take advantage of that. I know that the Cronkies have plans, obviously, near Ball Arena in terms of maybe what they plan to do. I think that downtown central Denver can really be focused on here. How can you renovate around that the, around those parts of the city, but also how can you keep the stadium intact? I think the stadium's fine. I think it's one of the finest facilities, obviously, that's out there. Now, granted, there's going to be some repairs to some suites that were damaged by the fire a little bit earlier this summer here, but I think that you can add renovations to it. If you don't necessarily need to build a stadium, why do it at this point when you have a stadium that is working? And then you also have to factor in a contingency plan. If for some reason you're going to build a stadium, What's going to happen with the current stadium? Where is the team going to play? If you demolish Empower Field at Mile High, where the, where's the team going to play? And I think that is a huge issue that probably has not been solved. And I don't think we'll probably be at the forefront for the next couple of years, but we'll see how things go. Yeah, I just, it, that's a great point. You don't want to play an up a boulder, right? <laughs> great point. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I placed this bet already. The lines, 10 wins for the Broncos in 2022 over under, or is that where it's going to end up? I think you can maybe, I think that's where it's going to end up. I mean, I think it's a great line of bet because when you look at AFC West counterparts, it's almost kind of similar minus the Raiders. The Raiders are a little bit lower there, but the Broncos are almost on par with the charge. I think they're equal in terms of some of the betting lines. The uh, chiefs, I think have like 11 and a half, if I'm not mistaken for their over and their under, I think that, I think that maybe at that 10 and a half is probably right where it needs to be. All right. Thanks to Cody for hopping on. Thanks to you for listening. Again, follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio if you get a chance. Why don't you leave me a five-star rating and review? That'd be nice, too. Uh, I will be back tomorrow with more Broncos Week here on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.